Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Interverse Podcast. And today we have a really fun conversation with Amanda Vollmer. Amanda is the uh, bot- botanical master in chief over at yumnaturals.store, where you can find all kinds of great salves, creams, homeopathic remedies, <laughs> aromatherapy. Uh, I couldn't really name all the things on the website. It's quite uh, expansive and cool to see how much it's grown since I first found out about it. Amanda has been fighting a good fight against the medical mafia for quite a few years, longer than I even knew that there was such an organized crime running the planet. <laughs> I'm really excited to get into it and hang with Amanda today. I uh, have no particular agenda for this conversation, so we'll see what she has in mind to share with us. I know we have, heard, well, I've heard a lot about the healing power of DMSO, which is a book Amanda has written. You can find that on Amazon. I'll make sure all the appropriate links are in the show notes and description. Welcome to Interverse, Amanda. It's good to meet you. Thanks for having me, Chance. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining us, everyone. <laughs> so yeah, well, what's uh, what's exciting right now in your world? Well, I've been doing a lot of um, writing and prepping for the end of COVID series that we're putting together. So it's like a huge summit. And I have like seven or eight interviews and then I'm hosting also. So right now we're just making, we have a couple of months to get all the recordings done. So that's pretty much filling up my days. I do um, you know, still my week, at least once a week presentation and once a week interview. And then, um, you know, I still make soap and other things for my store. I have a, a young child. She's 11 and I'm homeschooling her. And uh, it's, you know, lots to do all day long. <laughs> so I'm really focused a lot on, um, you know, where we're headed as far as like vibrationally speaking and uh, it seems like we're splitting off into different tribes right now. And what does that mean for, you know, our own uh, stability? Like what are we going to do for all of these new structures that we need to have as we're exiting theirs? Because, you know, we're, I don't want to be part of their 15 minute city structure. I'm not going to accept CBDCs. I'm not, you know, I'm already pulling away from that piece by piece. So that's also something constantly in the forefront. Just where can I pull away my um, support for the old structure and put it into 
new systems and, and supports for our local community and then inspire other people to do the same. Oh man, there's a lot of great stuff there to talk about. I, I was just watching this old sixties TV series is from the early sixties called the prisoner. You ever heard of that? Yeah. Oh man. I'd seen it before, but I just went back and revisited it and they have everything in there that's going on right now. 15 minute cities. The whole thing seems to be a big allegory about the, uh, the globe conspiracy. <laughs> the main monster enemy is of a weather balloon. <laughs> it's so funny. But it's really deep though. Um, yeah. So in terms of you, could we talk more about that? Where we're heading vibrationally? Cause I'm definitely feeling that day. There's every, it seems like every year, especially around the equinox of spring, the energetic explosion is so powerful. The new things that are leveling up in my world are seem like exponentially more than the year prior. Winter is less of a drag, less of a loss of energetics. There's like a lot of massive efficiency for all of us who are, who've been on this path and learning for a while and picking and choosing what things to converge into sort of our toolkit of excellence. Talk more about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that you say about the winter thing, because normally when a winter is coming, I'm I'm dreading it. I over prepare. I'm 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 trying to, like, make sure it's good. I'm going to get through it. (laughs) But this year I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this, this, this and this like I did last year. I made different decisions. I was like. I'm making it, I think I'm making it more now than it was maybe, or maybe I adapted to it better. And I I know my way around better. I'm not sure, but I had an easier winter as well, like emotionally. And I mean, uh, emotionally, mentally, but healing, I've been going through a lot of healing, like a lot of people may not know, but I know I, I come from like the wounded healer path and I had a lot of damage done to me by vaccines as a child and, um, and then tonsils removed and ear surgery and other stuff that, and then dental surgery. So extractions improperly. So I've had all kinds of stuff I've had to deal with for my own health. You know, I'm going to be 50 in two years. So this, this August I'll be, uh, 48. And, you know, I'm in pre-perimenopause, lots of changes as well, like from, uh, from that standpoint, I'm exploring that, what that means uh, for the change of life, like what women go through with this stuff. And so it's like, there's a whole new focus. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe we're not focused on the same things we were. And therefore we don't, those aren't weighted because it's really what we focus, choose to focus on that is, you know, present for us. Um, maybe we're, we don't have time to complain about this shit the winter I don't, know, I don't know but i know my focus has been on just building and creating and letting go and healing and what what does it mean to strengthen myself uh, on, on another layer so that whatever comes like if a bank crashes or i'm affected in any of those ways how can i overcome that you know like there's all those sorts of prep questions in my mind about being resilient and still maintaining authenticity and what is really protection anyway? What is that? And I think it's vibrational. I think it's how your state inside of you, that's true protection because you know what you fear you draw near and all of those sorts of things we've seen as laws in this place over and over again. Or if you brag, I don't know if you've ever experienced that law of this place. If you brag about something, it just gets either wrecked or taken away or tainted in some way. Or, you know, the next day somebody else will have like a better, did it better than you or. 
I had so to learn that about all... announcing stuff that hasn't happened yet. As soon as you do that, it's oh, like yeah. you're eating the cake before it's finished baking. You're out, like the energetic excitement of the delivery of the project is being stolen from the future. And then it doesn't come about. <laughs> I've had to learn that one. Yeah, I learned that one too. And there is a sweet spot where you can, there's a, there's a, a there's a launch point where if all energy is already moving, there's a momentum. Then even if it's not presented yet, like right now at the end of COVID, we still have time, but we're all, it's been already happening. It's already pulled together. We're already have momentum. So it's, it, we're in the safe zone to like talk about it, but you're right. If you get too far ahead of a project, you can even delay it. Um, I've done that before, getting ahead of myself with excitement. Like, oh, I'm doing this and trying that. I did that with a couple of books. I started writing a book and then I announced it too soon. And then somehow it just fizzled and I never could get back to it as much as I tried, you know? So these sorts of things. Stealth is a real thing. You know, there's a reason why we have stealth. (laughs) It can actually be to our benefit, not like sneaky in a negative way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're trying to preserve energy. I think that's the understanding. You've got, you're putting your creative energy into a project and an idea that has not been made manifest yet. And so it has no legs. And until it has real solid legs, um, you really shouldn't blow off the energy because you could just fizzle out the whole thing. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I've also, I think it is, I really want to focus on what you just talked about. Uh, protection is more vibrational. I've learned that for sure experientially. I think maybe part of why winter wasn't as rough uh, or wasn't really rough at all this time around is because I spent the whole year doing multiple tunings a week in the <laughs> kind of in a similar style as Eileen McCusick. I, I taught myself from reading her books and have been working with clients all year, which is like, you cannot hide from yourself <laughs> as the, the one doing the tunings in that, because it's like every client, there will be seeds of what it is I need to work on or face in me. The, and if I don't get real about that in the session or right after the session, it's like, I'm not as much help to them either. Uh, luckily, or I don't know, <laughs> I always just give up the whole process to the most high. So maybe it's not really luck, but it works and gone smoothly. I feel like the aura is the protection, you know, protection from EMF, protection from psychic vampires, protection from uh, <laughs> even uh, obviously not germs, but you know, everything really, your, your aura is the, the shield, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, I always saw it as a, an intelligent filter where it would, it, it, there's an allowance of the things that you're, you're resonating with. And then there's a discontinuance of that, which cannot become harmonious. And, or perhaps um, you can, booster your your strength of your field and you can come into like another layer of your healing and um really start to get you know your next lessons and whatever so this is why i mean whatever you do whether it's toning or whether it's harmonics of any sort or singing or even dancing or whatever it is that lifts you as long as it's going on the within where you're working on within and you're, you're really tuned, you're tuning, you're literally tuning yourself. And there's multiple ways to do it. I'll go out in the forest and touch trees and touch plants. And, you know, I feel that connection and that's like forest bathing and that can strengthen your field too. Right. 
And I know that when I would go into the city, I would feel progressively drained and my mood would shift and I wouldn't feel myself, I guess, or, or at least not well. And that was one of my decisions early on. I'm like, I, I definitely can't like live in a city because I, kn- I know it, it feels very draining to me. I need a natural reset for myself that I can go to on my own property, private, that sort of thing. And that's why I knew I had to get this particular um, piece of, you know, 53 acres so I could just roam about and don't even have to be clothed if you don't want to. <laughs> and again, do a true forest bathing, sunbathing too, um, and and really lift yourself up. But yeah, um, I think it's I think it's well known in in the ancient texts that this is, this is why they would do mantras and and chanting and toning together and drums and all these things is to shift shift yourself and. That becomes your protection because you, if you lift your frequency, you can't match other frequencies. I mean, I read um, Power Versus Force. I don't know if you ever read that particular book. Um, and it talks about certain frequencies like measured and like frequency of fear frequency versus frequency of love and these sorts of elevations that we go through. And it's like they can't see each other, really. They can't relate to one another. Um and and I literally think we will evolve, if you will, which I don't believe in evolution, but I believe that we adapt and change and ascend or move forward always with forward goals. Uh, we, we I think we separate out completely from those that wish to not do that. That's why I'm not so afraid of the agenda. Like, of course, the agenda is <laughs> obvious and there and we don't want it and all of that. But that's the true way out is you don't even resonate. There's no vibration that can match that low, you know, prison slavery setup uh, that, that victimhood, victim consciousness, poverty consciousness, you know, trap. We're not, we're not going there. <laughs> I'm way past thinking like that. And, and the more we clean our, our thought forms of this, you know, self uh, defeating or self hating uh, activity, then we'll be further and further away from whatever the heck they're trying to pull us into. So it really does. It, the work is now and the work has to happen before the changes, because then if you're not strong inside, you you can't handle the changes. And I think that's why a lot of people will get pulled into this, uh, this system and will hate it and will probably want out, but they'll be there because they're going to be, you know, put into bankruptcy. And they need bailouts by mommy and daddy, right? So this is this is what they're going after. I've been I've been kicking around this idea about like what makes the city, <laughs> which is in its own uh, linguistic sense, just the name of these large population centers is <laughs> an inversion because <laughs> you lose your cities when you're in the city <laughs> too long, you know. But the what I've been thinking is going on with that is how. You know, I've, I've paid attention to the way certain sounds can kind of grate on you and you have to like the, the sound of the refrigerator and you have to sort of filter that out. Right. And because our energy, our life force is also our awareness. I mean, our ability to feel, sense, be conscious. Then the more there is to filter out and ignore, you, you, you never actually can do that. <laughs> you can just compartmentalize. So the more things that you're compartmentalizing out of your current 
level, like your current uh, focus of awareness or peripheral awareness, the less of yourself energy you've got. So interestingly enough, like whenever your entire consciousness is assaulted by other people's vibes and dissonant uh, sound, sight, things that don't cohere, they're not cohesive, like in a city, you are basically reducing your level of consciousness. I mean, a strong aura can handle that for a while, but that's why it's like draining the battery. And then in a place like a forest, <laughs> you've got everything is like co- all the whole environment is one harmonious, you know, singularity in a sense. So there's not like you have to filter really anything out. You take it all in as a whole. And then that makes you feel more whole. And in the same way, I think that's why sitting in silence and meditative practices also recharges the battery because you're just turning on the dial on all those things that in your environment you've been needing to filter out, (laughs) whether it's the unfinished dishes or like the sound of the, (laughs) my heater makes a sound like a tea kettle going off. Like I need to get that fixed. (laughs) Anyway, I think that's the, the game is to realize that our, our sensitivity is also our energy. And so that <laughs> we don't hide our things that we're sensitive to from ourselves, we go into that and we realize, oh, this is hurting my energy levels because I'm sensitive to this and ne- feeling like I need to ignore it. So that means I need to actually just remove it from my environment or move to a different environment. Yeah, and it's like you're, um, that's a good analogy too. And, and when you're constantly, um, pulled in all of these different directions you feel really drained by by all of these asks or requests and then you feel overwhelmed then that can become a behavioral um outpouring of some sort right so it could be an angry outburst or you said something you didn't mean to because you're 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 irritated now and and that definitely is like a sign you got to go and and in and and cut out that that schloss for a while and just um, reset a little bit. And that's your one of your signs. And then also imagine your battery being drained by illness or pain. You know, um, if I have like any type of pain going on, I know my coping is not there, right? I can't do as many things as I'm able to do when I'm well or feeling better. And that's because I can't, the, the, the battery level is lower. <laughs> so I can't do as, as much without getting to that level of, you know, can't break down or upset or whatever it is. And so that makes sense. If we're thriving and we're clean and we're doing, you know, proper, um, right action for health and well-being, then we have more energy than our coping skills go up. Then we're able, you'll ask me, oh, hi, can you do all these things all the time? And this and that. It's like, well, I work on coping more and more. So I'm able to manage more and more in that same amount of time. And then the best thing is when you lift your mood enough that all those things also become joyous where they're not like, oh, now I have to do the dishes. Oh, now I gotta do this. Now I gotta do that. I have, it's real easy to fall into that where you're criticizing everything you have to do. And I don't want to. And I say this to my daughter all the time, like, Oh, I don't want to put the dishes away or I don't want to do. Yeah. I, I totally understand. And I'm with you and I don't want to either. However, <laughs> they must be done. And it's best if we just do them understanding that rather than uh, like Thich Nhat Hanh. I studied Thich Nhat Hanh, the Buddhist monk. Uh, when I was studying Buddhism many years ago, 
And I practice, I put into practice his teachings, which are just to simply be present with the task. You're not, your goal is not to be at the end of the task and then look back and go, yay me. The goal is to be present at every step of the path of the path of your task. So if you're washing a dish, you're going, my hands are now touching the dish. My sponge is now soapy on the dish. And this is what you're saying in your head as you're going through every step. And then at the end, you say, I've put the last dish down. I've dried my hands. That's it. And you walk away, right? Same thing with sweeping. He would do like a sweeping meditation where you're just methodically sweeping and cleaning. And I love doing cleaning ritual where I am, when I clean my space, I'm cleaning me. So I'm imagining I'm cleaning my house inside my body, my energy and my being. And I'm tidying it all up and I'm lifting the energy. So as I get rid of all the heaviness and all the debris and things that are have descended and I've lifted the energy again in the space, I'm imagining I've been lifted and it's palpable. You can feel this, the difference in the room when you do this sort of conscious awareness cleaning or conscious cleaning. Um, or tidying, or even like feng shui principles, and these sorts of things, that's all the same idea of where the energy or chi is coming from and how much of it is draining from you or how much is fueling you and your space. And and then they've got different directions and colors and things for, you know, money or uh, relationships or, you know, health and all of these different things that you can put energy into as a reflection of self right? And do these have a crystal and a candle and things that remind you of why you're doing what you're doing. And then you set these, these rituals inside of you that become important for your touchstones for when things are not going well in your life, you have a place to go and to resettle yourself. Because most people just go to their addictions, right? They go to a self soothing something if they're not feeling having a good day, right? Oh, you're not having a good day. Oh, let's go get you an ice cream then, you know? And that comes from childhood too. Like, oh, we'll fix it. We'll fix. It. Oh, you're not feeling comfortable. Let me come in and repair it for you. And, and, and the rescuer takes away the opportunity to learn, right? So if my daughter's in, in an, an uncomfortable situation, then I, I guide her about the discomfort. And then I guide her that how she can take charge of reducing her own discomfort rather than me coming in and swooping in with the solution, which of course I would do when she was an infant. But now that she's, she's able to cognitively to understand what I'm saying, she, Oh, okay. So now if I have this, I do that. And then she takes charge of it. So her confidence is wonderful because of that. And I, and we have to do it with our own inner child too. We have to re parent ourselves. And go, oh, yeah, so if I have these problems in my life, there's no point just complaining about them. I hate them. I don't like them. There's a million plus things to do that you can shift that and have a better day. And it's totally within your control. I love all that, especially when you're talking about sweeping as uh, cleaning your own energetic field. That is so absolutely right on like the the environment that you live in your home, the space where you sleep and where you frequent, that's an extension of your psyche. I look at it like there are and probably out there. There's teachers that have talked about this in some, you know, official tradition, but 
you have layers, right? You've got your physical body is a layer. Inside of that, there's a more energetic, subtle layer. There's a nervous system that's kind of inside of that. There's the skeletal system, right? And then the aura and then where you live. (laughs) That's actually a layer. I guess even your clothes is one of those layers. One thing I do with my tuning sessions with clients is before every session, I make sure that the floor is fully swept and like as clean as I can. Uh, even though not, they're never going to see the floor, (laughs) we're on a zoom call, you know, but that ritual is part of me preparing the space and thus preparing myself is a big part of it. I love that. And, you know, it's funny how I'm realizing now too, how many of the things that are like soothing behavior patterns, a la addictions are back to that idea of, uh, awareness and and stimulus those addictions are typically things that are like overwhelmingly stimulating to some level of your senses right super sweet or uh video games lots of colors and flashing lights or you know you name it i think that that's part of the uh part of the soothing of where it hurts or what you don't want to think about is to just sort of overwhelm the senses i'm really excited about the future because of people like you with children that, and you know, my future children someday who will grow up with the knowledge of stuff. Like if I get a owie where it, it happened on my body is a message from my body about my energy and my feelings that I'm not noticing. So, you know, do we even need like in the future, do humans even need to do stuff like break a leg or have a, a major life threatening illness? If, they start to get the memo on the moment they stub their toe rather than needing to like get in a car wreck. Yeah, that's the, Oh, I've seen that so many times when you don't hear the subtle whispers and then you, or you just keep ignoring the signs as they get heavier and heavier and then finally get a big whammo, a big life changing, altering something. Um, it's not that, bad luck. It's hard headedness. <laughs> yeah. And, and also tells you something um, about this place that as much as we have free will, which we do have free will. I think the free will came before we came here and we were like, okay, here's what Amanda's going to go through. I'm going to, I'm deciding what I'm going through, but I'm going to forget that I did that. I'm going to be here and I'm going to play that out. And if I don't, if I catch the little signs along the way, it'll be nice. It'll be smoother. It'll be more enjoyable. And if I don't, which again, I free will in, in this scenario too, at least somewhat, I can choose the hard road or the easy road of that scenario. Right. And it will, it has to try to get you to that end goal for whatever you're trying to achieve uh, from a soul level. Right. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to see that. Uh, I guess that's a type of a law too. You know, same with astrology. Astrology is like a law um, that there's an overlay and imprinting on that shapes you, affects you, affects the way you think, like a filter, um, personality uh, support, or or something that helps design personality that works with your archetypes and works with whatever your soul achievement supposed to be, this sort of thing. Um, it's, it's, we're going to know it all too at that point. I think we'll open up our clairvoyant gifts at 
once this is done and, and whatever, I mean, this AI crap is not sustainable. Even if you had an AI go all run amok and go cuckoo, eventually you just shoot out the shit and I don't know, let it die and then rebuild or whatever. I mean, what's there's the AI thing is so stupid because (laughs) just look at really simple technology. It takes like a whole team of people constantly fixing it because it's never actually working correctly. And then every, you know, they fix something and that breaks five more things. All right, let's just get more complex. Like that's going to actually work out. (laughs) And so I, I just see the future, the further into technocracy people uh, embrace into the more it's just it hell (laughs) as a previously, I used to be an it guy. So that's why I hold that opinion. Yeah, and I was reading, I don't know what, it was some sort of video, and they were like, hey, I work in IT in this big corporation, and they're not fixing their coding errors anymore. They just don't even give a shit. They just let it be. And of all the glitches and things that don't work, and even today, I was just doing a simple copy-paste, and just, oh my gosh, like, really? We're going to have driverless cars and robots on the street and everything? We're going to get that sophisticated. I, I don't, I don't know. I could be wrong, but it, you're right. They don't, it's like they're cocky and, and they're arrogant in the way they present their ideas. Like this Neuralink thing in the head of Elon Musk, like with the chip and stuff. You don't think that's going to go off at some point or so we're going to have a chip in the brain, right? But then we're going to have all these EMFs everywhere. I mean, everywhere. It's just growing and growing and growing every day, the amount of background radiation that they're pumping out, right? And that's not going to have, there's not going to be any cross reaction or glitches or shortages, shorting out or anything like that. Uh, okay. It, it's just not, to me, it's just a fantasy that they're trying to make a reality and buying time until they can get as many minds trapped in like a metaverse scenario where they're not even looking out into the world anymore because I think they've sorted out the, the RPG tech, haven't they? So they could just be in an RPG game and, and uh, get their, their basic income and somebody to deliver their bugs to their door. And, you know, they, they'll rot there, I guess, and never procreate. Like when you take the story all the way, it's like, yeah. And to what end? Not what, even a very long story, probably. Yeah, it's not very long, and it's stupid. So, <laughs> I uh, I have a theory too about you know you brought first of all you brought up the Neuralink and you know the muskrat that guy i think is just the perfect poster child of how things related to space are probably you know you got to dream big because that's what allows people to sort of connect how much funding and government <laughs> money printer go burr is going towards the project like how much does nasa get paid a day to do nothing <laughs> so you know it's a big money laundering thing i think that's uh when you look into like the alchemy of economics and fiat currency, there, I believe part of why the switch to CBDCs is so important and a new structure is necessary to keep things going is because the old way that we've been under for a hundred years has required, and you go back to like, you know, the economic, economic uh, authors that were writing about this, like I think Adam Smith is one of the names. They talked about how, okay, if we're going to do this fiat thing, then we need people to, we need to come up with programs to just spend more and more money. Yeah. Like the government programs have to spend 
exponentially more money as more money is loaned into the system as credit. And that's the only way to sort of keep <laughs> the ball rolling long enough. And that only goes so far, <laughs> you know, it only goes so far. So uh, that's, I believe, a big part of the whole necessity of the space farce and all that is because you need to just sort of delete money out of the system <laughs> and through spending on stuff that's not real. And give, and I also think, you know, my real theory though, is that I think a lot of places doing science and all that, I believe that it's a bunch of people that are not at all competent that feel like that are doing almost no work. And they are, they feel like they're just sliding, they're, they're getting away with something. <laughs> And they're cocky about it, you know, and then they think, you know, well, everyone else is actually doing the work. I'll just, you know, be on Facebook all day or whatever. <laughs> I think that's what most office jobs are at this point in the age of the internet is like very low productivity. So uh, that system is really falling apart at the seams while people doing stuff like what we're doing is only getting stronger because there's love in it. We're act, like, there's actual effort being put into it. Right. Yeah, and then they're trying to take away our creativity even further by using things like um, ChatGPT or these sorts of AI tools, which I understand that any tool can be used positively. And even even in this, you could argue, sure, um, if you wanted to uh, do something quickly and whatever, I get it. But where they're going with it, you know, is like basically... You don't have to do any work. The AI will do the the thinking for you. That's dangerous because it should be the opposite. We should be coming into our full thinking ability and our connection with our higher self or our oversoul or our God self or God connected self and go within and all the data information and knowledge that you want is right there. And rather than externalizing everything constantly, and now we're externalizing it to something that isn't even a, a real person anymore to do the thinking for us. That That is some sort of amalgamation and programmed in limitations that are biased as well. And you don't know you're going to get correct information. You're going to assume that. And that's that's a mess. That's just a can of worms right there. Um, so that I know they're, they're concerned about some of it. I think they're really only mostly concerned because they don't want anybody else to make money. They don't want anybody else to figure things out ahead of time of them. And so they're probably pulling back on more, more reasons than they're telling us. But, um, the creativity aspect is concerning when it comes to this laziness and not putting in effort and not wanting to work. And I don't, I don't want to think. Like my daughter, I don't want to do the dishes. It's Well, I'm sorry. This, you know, unless you are going down a road where you think hedonism is the God you want to pray to, which it seems like a lot of the left culture is in that quasi place where they, I think they don't want to work, which is, I guess, hedonism. And they want just to have sex with all things. And I guess that's hedonism. Um, in, in, but uh, they also seem to not be very well off either. And you know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> there's not abundance. Well, if they they want to be poor also, because that's another badge on their victim vest, like the victim scouts, <laughs> as many different labels as you could attach to yourself. That's like the, uh, of, uh, hashtag actually autistic. <laughs> like that's the thing on, on Twitter or something. I've seen okay. that, you know, 
I think though with the technology, it's interesting how technology before meant consumer electronics. It was uh, the word meant terms of art, as in the type of technical jargon that a particular skilled or trade or craft would use amongst its members in kind of like a guild style. So legalese or medical jargon, things of that nature. Actually, that's what technology meant. I find it interesting that as our current iteration of technology advances, it actually still means that because behind the scenes of everything is code. And now interacting with these AI systems, AI is even the wrong word for it, right? But it's just complex code algorithms that (laughs) big equations, (laughs) but you interact with them through, uh, through words. I find that interesting. I've had some cool uh, success with like AI art generators where I get it to make me a thing and then make another thing. And then I do sort of my collage art style to make what I actually wanted out of some of the components without having, because Google search is just pointless at this point for almost anything. (laughs) Um, But where I'm going with this is I think there's, uh, an externalization of our capacity to generate anything that we can imagine that has always been our innate capacity as beings carrying the divine spark. We've written a story for ourselves where that wasn't true or we forgot about it. And then as things have progressed, <laughs> we've actually always had the ability and it never went away. So we've, ha- we've created this stuff we call technology, which gives us the conduit through which we're allowed to communicate with each other from a vast distance and see each other or generate an image or, you know, all that stuff that was part, you know, performed by our image imagination prior. So I don't know where things are going, but I do think, you know, as technology advances, maybe it will also key clue people in to their creative side more and more as everything that all this weird electronic voodoo is in some sense just the story that we've created to explain to ourselves why we're allowed to have all this vast power to create which we do mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, like i said i mean these are tools and all tools can be used for good or evil right um i think we have to just obviously give it ourselves those tools limitations that are have safety features basically um but we don't live in a world where people are (laughs) wanting to put those safety features on i don't think um so we'll see how it plays out and with them trying to it's so weird right like they're putting out ai and they're trying to put forward this tech heavy futurist sort of scenario Yet now they're trying to ban TikTok. Like, wait, what? So there's only, there's tech that, that they want, that they make, that they data mine for us for their AI, but now they want to get rid of the data mining for the AI. Are they well, done? Is the that bill to ban TikTok? It's basically the Patriot Act, but on mega steroids. So the, like the cover story of the bill is ban TikTok, China bad, but like, in the hundreds of pages of the bill, it's we're legally allowed to actually look at every camera and listen to every microphone on your fridge, on your TV, on your washing machine, you know, mm-hmm. pure, like <laughs> codifying that that's allowed and banning TikTok, I think, was just sort of the uh, <laughs> the cover story, <laughs> just like every other big surveillance chess move on the board. But, you know, at the end of the day, 
there, <laughs> we only ever really had kind of an illusion of privacy. I think uh, not that we should accept what, or, or like, you know, take up their offers and say, sure, go ahead and watch me go to the bathroom. But that in a, in a sense, you know, they, all separation and all distance is a mental concept anyway. And so in yeah. that regard, I'm not really too worried or concerned about it, but there is uh, something to be said about that awareness equals consciousness equals energy equals power that perhaps part of this big panopticon of global surveillance in some bizarre spiritual way is powering what, or they think maybe powering the big overlord AI as it has more awareness. It thus has more power or energy. But the thing is, it's not real awareness because it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not, it, it wasn't given the divine spark, at least as far as I know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe energy, electricity in a closed loop circuitry type system does form a type of consciousness. And we just aren't, you know, in the laboratories to play with that and see that. But that's not really, I, I don't think it really happens outside of organics. You know, it requires, it requires that mystery <laughs> that, that God get, creating the universe big bang moment of fertilization where the flash of light occurs and we still have no idea how the hell that a baby came from that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't think that we're going to be able to replicate the mystery of mysteries uh, in this particular form or body. I think that just wouldn't really fit within the, the rules of why that we come here in the first place, but who knows? Yeah. It's an interesting thought process to go through that and see, all right. So say you had a robot or AI and you're getting it more sophisticated in its sensitivities, meaning it's becoming uh, the amount of data points that it's able to congeal and work with, right. Is I'm sure there must be a limit too. There, there has to be some. Uh, what was that? There was some joke. It was, it was about uh, asking an AI if God exists, and then the AI responds, "Yeah, now there is." <laughs> yeah. So, like, but but what that? What's its limitations of how much it can hold in its capacity? That's functional. Is my point. So when you're, when you're trying to, in the moment, have a conversation with someone, okay? And you have all these inputs and things going on in the moment and they're real and the energies are entwining and you're picking up subtle signals and you're picking up body language and you're, um, you're picking up like a scent, whatever. All of these things are part of how you're responding to the situation. And that's the aspect of consciousness that an AI couldn't, couldn't, tangibly have are all those little nuances and subtleties that are part of that interaction. And also the interactions are almost fruitless because the whole point of us interacting, engaging with one another is to have mirrors for each other so that we can do this soul work and this and, and have deep, meaningful interactions and things that are precious. And we have the, I agree there's no time, no space, but we have the illusion of time of a linear time frame here with past, present, and future. And we are living in this linear, you know, 2D, 3D experience to 
realize something about ourselves. And the AI doesn't allow for that. It doesn't allow for that, the deep realizations of what happens in those subtle interactions. And so the AI would, the AI ultimately wouldn't be perfect. It would make mistakes because of that. And it could not possibly become consciously aware because it would never be able to pick up those subtleties um, in the moment. Right? Like, unless you're programming it to, that's, that's amazing. You'd have to program it to smell and you'd have to program it with all the different options of any human of how they would respond to any given memory of any given smell. That's, that's a lot of data points, man. <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the day, it's still just like language. It's not reality. <laughs> just in the same way that I can tell you what the moon looks like, or I could even point at the moon. But my finger pointing is not the moon. My words describing is not the moon. So lines of code is not smelling ever, period. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And that's, that's why they, they couldn't become truly sentient. And, and this is why they're like, they're saying, Oh, this is the AI is going to become sentient. It's going to be, sentient. it's only going to be able to overpower our intelligence, right? Um, but it's not going to ever become emotionally sentient emotionally aware because it can't have those experiences. It can't have the experiences of touch and all those sensations. Like uh, it's limited actually. Right. I do, you know, though to to tag back to, you know, washing the dishes and getting into the process and making the process, the reward rather than a goal oriented type of thinking that actually the AI quick and easy button really does that exact opposite in the sense that there's no longer a process. You're no longer doing brush strokes or even like typing your own uh, narrative or something. You just press the button and the AI gives you the finished answer or the finished product. Right. So that definitely deletes the whole purpose of life, which is the journey. And it just gets us bouncing from dopamine (laughs) hit to dopamine hit rather than sort of earning that reward uh, the the flow state is all about being in the zone in the process not finishing you know finishing <laughs> i just look at like tantra or things of that nature T- finishing is not really <laughs> energetically all that healthy <laughs> well, like finishing dad, is know. an accident <laughs> yeah when you finish it's an accident yeah <laughs> yeah i know it's um it's interesting. And also I feel like our, um, you know, our purposes and our realities are changing so quickly. Um, but not in the way that they, they promised us. And if people were paying attention, like as children, I mean, I would watch, you know, the Jetsons as a child with this promise of some sort of future that would be really cool. Like I don't have, I can just walk into my closet and they put the, puts the clothes on for me and um, I can just fly to work and stuff. That's pretty cool. And yeah, that, see how they lure you with these, like they even lure you with this, the 15 minutes C idea. It's going to be great. I mean, you don't have to walk very far and everything's like that where you need it. Isn't that beautiful and less pollution and, it's wonderfully painted, but it's never what they actually offer you. It's never what they're going to actually produce out of the promises. They're, they're a forked tongue devil. <laughs> it's like lying is their MO. It's what they live to do. 
and people still believe it somehow, which again, I guess their con- their own consciousness is not able to pattern recognize and see again and again how they've been duped by the same groups of people. You know, I think to the rat race system of people accepting the lie that they have to do something they don't like to sustain themselves is also why people don't want to do their own dishes or clean up after themselves or work on themselves is because they've not been trained and they've accepted the lie that, <laughs> you know, that the those things that are rewarding and bring development are also like uh shitty <laughs> and you don't want to do it. And then all, like that it, entire zone of being at work, but wanting to escape means that when you're out of there, you're sort of just geared towards escapist tendencies. And it doesn't surprise me that, you know, if we did just wrap up the age of Pisces or we're on the tail end of it, that that escapism element would be at its all time high. Uh, however, you know, when I think once you realize that your environment has everything you need to survive in it as opportunities waiting for you to just take the opportunity and that like you're no, that's like Jesus says, actually, you know, you think you're bet you think you're different than the birds that my father provides for something along those lines, right? That I, I have really come to trust and accept and believe that what you need will always be there. If, and you, you don't have to, that doesn't have to come through the form of slaving yourself out. You might not know how it's going to show up or what it's going to be, but you will eat when you need to eat, <laughs> you know, you will survive like that, that that's a, a fundamental truth, but like any other philosophy, it requires a presupposition, but I encourage people to try that presupposition on that. What you need will always be there somewhere, somehow. And that that doesn't require you to do stuff that you hate <laughs> or stuff that makes you drained or, or feel like you need to escape. Yeah, and then there's there's concepts that are um, there's different parts of your life where you do different things. There's the the youth aspect, and then apparently your karmic contract comes in like around age twelve, and then you start dealing with some of those things that um, feel a little bit more out of control. Um, and then once you've cleared most of your karma contracts or you've settled them, then you go into service work or dharmic work. And when I, I think my advantage, one of my advantages was studying world religions. And when I got interested in Hinduism and Buddhism and some of these other, and Zen and these other concepts where they had multiple gods and it was like, you return to the ocean, you're a drop of the ocean, you return to the ocean at the end, you know, and you keep coming back and this sort of thing. Um, I thought they were fascinating concepts. I really studied them a lot. And there's, there's, there's quite a science to it too. There's all, there's like multiples of different types of karma that happen at different times. And to the point where even the Tibetans are really good at um, finding someone who's just died and they've been reborn and they're trying to like find that person again. And they, they have a whole method of identifying, you know, a rebirth. And, and I found it fascinating because it made me think, okay, if this is true, I'll, I'll run with it. So like, say this is true, then I'm going to work on my karma because I want it to, I want to get it over with because I want to get onto my service work. And I did that uh, throughout my life. I worked as hard as I could on, on that task. And if I saw a challenge before me and that was uncomfortable, I went into it. 
It's almost like with pregnancy, the, it's very painful and, and, and we're trained to run from pain, avoid the pain. But one thing I learned about through um, like hypnobirthing and, um, and orgasmic birthing is it's quite the opposite. You dive right into that pain. You go in and then you transcend it. There's a whole another layer of it. Like they My say friend Elise says, uh, your baby is on the other side of that pain. Go into the pain. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's freeing because like you said, you know, all those scenarios that seem terrible in the moment, you might not, you don't know how you're going to get through it and all this sort of thing, but you know, then you get through it and then you come back and you've got to reflect and go, I got through that. You know, I did, I'm here now still. I got through that particular hard thing. I can get, I can do this too. And once I learned that when I, I, there was a signature to it and I would definitely go into those scenarios with a little more awareness to what do I have to solve here or what do I have to balance in my life? And then I, it was very palpable for me when I finished those contracts because a whole bunch of set of different people started coming into my reality. Um, and it, it, there was no drama anymore. Any drama, any soap opera reality is gone. Um, you know, or there, those would only be blips or on the periphery. It's like when you master narcissism, like when you, like as an empath, I attracted like all kinds of narcissists. I, I had to study it. I had to, I had to go there, right? I learned it, understood it. Okay. Got that. I, and I realized a lot of it was the mirror I had of self-worth. So they have a self-worth problem. I have a self-worth problem. Um, that's the mirror that needs to be addressed so that I stop attracting them. Got it, you know, sort of it. And then all of a sudden my whole world, like totally different people that weren't like that. And, and if they were dealing with that, it would be like on the outskirts of their life. It was like divorced another layer away from me. And so then I found myself helping others understand narcissism from what I went through so that they could do the exact same thing, that they could clear it in themselves and then get it away from them another layer. And then it was two layers away from me and this sort of thing. So it's fascinating. If you do the work, the rewards are there because you you do get out of that karmic cycle and you do find your your tribe and your people and and the right energies to support what you're there to do and then there's trends on top of it there's like numerological stuff you can look at like i'm in a year one right now and i knew i'm going into a year one so i'm like okay as much as i'm going to enter i know i'm always going to be interacting with people that's sort of, it's very singular it's the the journey is very inward and private and personal and um and i'm actually alone a lot physically i'm alone a lot um, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't necessarily feel isolated, but I feel like I'm with myself a lot of the times. And, and so when I hit year two, it probably will change again. So I'm looking forward to this always ever new experience coming my way rather than all oh, dreading change and oh no, like I liked it like that. And now this, and, and if we become more flexible, then we really can enjoy life a little bit more. But when we get really rigid and controlling, then it can, can be very, very uncomfortable. I really like your description of how the karmic contracts are cleared. I think that's valuable. It echoes what I have come to make into a bit of a catchphrase. <laughs> the, the obstacles are the course. You know, if you're running the hurdles, you don't run away from the hurdle. You run to the hurdle. That's like a sign saying, this is the way that 
your path is, you know? And there is sort of like, I don't know, it's around maybe the Saturn return or a little after, but like there is this final boss battle <laughs> against like the, the most challenging, um, sort of narcissism energy. Uh, am I going to be a victim of this? Am I going to be a poor me or am I going to transcend and, and level up? Right. So. I've had a, a similar type of experience as you described that as I went into where it was most difficult and sort of just made the obstacles into the course. Turns out the inner child loves that. They inner, children love obstacle courses. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So how do you? Fun. Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was just saying it brings that light lightness of being in the fun and joy back into it. Yeah. So do you calculate numerology of your personal year? And uh, is that uh, difficult to do? I'm kind of curious about that. I know like no. my life path numbers and, and what my name adds up to and all that. Yeah, there you can do from all those different angles and find different values. I use the birth date, adding the entire date together. So your life path number aspect. So that's what I'm talking about when I mention that. So I'm a 34-7. Um, and so I understand that the three is my expressive creativity and the four is me not getting ahead of myself. It's my chief work. The middle number is the work before me, which is patience. I'm a Leo, so I'm totally impatient. And um, also to not skip steps, which I skip steps all the time because I can see so far ahead that I just, I get ahead of myself. Uh, so I have to always backtrack and then start taking the steps properly again rather than skip ahead. Um, and then seven is trust. So trusting myself, this place, others, um, what is a trust? What is the definition of trust? Um, and in, even in banking world and all that sort of thing, right? So I've explored all of that. And then you do it within the context of the year that we're in now. And it doesn't really matter. You know, I know we're probably a thousand years off our dates and all this kind of jazz. It, it doesn't matter because what you're doing is you're still relating it to the energy that pe- that on mass is here. And so you're, you're making a connection between your, the energies of what you've come in through astrologically, numerologically to that. So that's, it's more of like a relationship knowledge. And then you can figure out which, so if you do your birthday and then this year, 2023, right, then you'll see where you are in your, um, in this year, what your numbers you're working with. And it's just like a, it's like looking at the sky, which is a big clock and it's teaching us things and telling us it's for signs. It's telling us things. It's the same as uh, as this aspect where you're just utilizing it as an opportunity to go in and ask yourself those questions. Is this true for me? Is this real for me? Does this resonate or does it does it have a, hmm, yeah, I see that this is... Some people use carbs. Some people use all kinds of different ways to, to get uh, information or self-reflective information. Eventually, I just do it for fun now. But one thing I realized is you don't need any divination externally anyway, because really what you're doing is you're just trying to get out of your own head, trying to get out of your own head and focus yourself so that you can clear your ideas and thought forms if you don't have someone to talk to or reflect out that too, so you can have that feedback as well. And I realized that I can also integrate it as my intuition. 
So I find it as a tool to like help my intuition. And um, when I now, when I know when the cycle comes around again, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, next year's going to be year two. And I'm like planning like, okay, that means there's going to be a lot of couples stuff and we're, we're going to go here. And I, you know, and then when year three happens, so like if you theme your life like that, it can become kind of exciting because you, you can know a little bit about, you can predict a little bit about the energies that are coming and then you can prepare accordingly and make it a little more fun for yourself. Uh, yeah, just like mentally cycled back, you know, looking at this and it, it fit for me. <laughs> it fit for me. Uh, I guess apparently I'm in a five year. So changes, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Five can be challenging here. Yeah. And then um, I, I can't remember six now. I think it's like a expression or there's an emotional aspect. Seven, as we know, is trust. Uh, well, I became an uncle and got married in, within like a week of each, a couple of weeks of each other, you know, right around right before my birthday. So a lot of changes already. <laughs> are you are you Aries? Do you have an Aries hat on? Yeah, with my ascendant is Leo. So fire uh, team over here. <laughs> that's funny. My business partner is the same as that. And he's but I got a Libra easy. moon, so the Aries side, I'm not like warlike. I'm I'm emotionally balanced. <laughs> Good. That's a nice display, actually. Yeah. No, I think it is. It's a full moon, so I have like a pretty good illumination on my inner world. Yeah, my daughter was born on a full moon as well. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's I, I find I find these things all for signs very, very helpful. We're we're looking at our world and we're we're gathering clues. And I always thought of myself as a detective all the way through. I was, I was really deep into Sherlock Holmes when I was a kid. That was, that was exciting for me. And also I really loved those. Um, oh, they were so kitschy. There were like murder mysteries, but they were, um, they were a niche in like the sixties, like, uh, oh, what's his name? Like Sperling. Um, I can't remember the the author now. I can see the I can see the cheesy front of the book right There's now. There's someone listening right now that's yelling out the answer. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Like, but it was just so you know. He's like, I'm this cool guy going down to my office, and I'm going to figure out who did this dame wrong. You know, <laughs> that sort of thing. So I was really hard-boiled detective stories. Got to love it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, chicks with big boobs and the whole thing, right? Like, that's totally 100. It'd probably be burned now. We can't have that. You burn it all. It's like, it's so absurd. I mean, we have the most offending culture right now, and but everything's offensive. But they're actually the most offensive. Oh I think what's offensive about stuff like that is that how dare men and women fulfill traditional gender roles? How dare they? You know, but I wanted to know, Amanda, we, oh, yeah, what do you do? What do you do for fun? <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I consider I all the work I, I do know. to be fun. So I'm kind of funning all the time, but you know, there's some things I do that's just for the fun of it. Well, I've been in such a heavy workload. I just, there's nothing to do all winter. I mean, I go, go, um, go for a drive. (laughs) I don't do fun. I mean, I, I'm, 
like fun is being with my partner. You know, we have fun together, right? So he's he and I are like twin flames. So we're we're just imagine the two two of me, you know, in a room. <laughs> so we're we're fun. We entertain each other very well. Um, my daughter and I do things together that are fun. I mean, even when we go shopping together, we have fun. I do a lot of things with her that are fun, right? Um, which it may be work for me more. It's fun for her and more work for me, but it's still fun time, right? Um, I don't know. She, she, uh, she goes to, uh, her, her grandparents down in the city and she'll go to like, um, Oh, the Sky Dome, they have like a, one of those trampoline places where they'll, Oh yeah. You know, yeah. So she'll go have all kinds of fun with that. But my, what I used to do for fun was going on lots of roller coasters. I loved going on roller coasters. Um, and then I had her and now I can't go on roller coasters anymore because it changed. I probably my hypothalamus and I, I get dizzy now. Sadly, I never ever got dizzy ever. I could do all, I could do this crazy ones and now I can't do, I can't even do the swings that like go around in a circle now. <laughs> I must've been in my five year. I got to go back and check. That was my year number five. <laughs> that I took my lady to do some roller coasters and stuff. Uh, and she hadn't done them for a long time. Right. And yeah, there is something about being like, I don't know, older than 30 where all of a sudden you can enjoy it. But then there's this part of your mind that's like, you're very aware that everything that's happening right now is not supposed to be happening. <laughs> it's all wrong. Why am I upside down? Why am I flying through the air? Uh, I, I kind of enjoy that though. Still, I'm a big roller coaster guy. Cool. Yeah. And I liked your answer, you know, when you're with, when you're with the people that are the best, shiniest mirror to self, your family, and they're also your family or your partner. That's like fun in and of itself. You don't necessarily have to, go out of your way. Like there's this idea of fun needs to be vapid entertainment, vegging out and all that. But you know, when you're in the true flow of your highest calling, even stuff that other people would look at and go, wow, that looks like a lot of work. It's actually fun. <laughs> you know, the, 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 it is its own reward in that sense. I totally feel that. Like uh, I'll, one of the things I'll do is I'll put on music and I'll just dance. And that's fun. You know, I used to dance as, um, as a discipline, uh, when I was a kid, like for, you know, 11 years, I did ballet and I did tap and jazz for seven years and all those recitals. And so then I'll just do that. I'll just, and, it, and to me, it's fun and functional because I'm very much like that. I want it to be pretty and functional. I want design that has function. I want action that's multifold. I want concentration. So if I'm dancing, I'm dancing because it's fun, but I'm dancing because I like to hear the music and I'm dancing because I get to sweat and be help. You know, it's good for my body and, you know, I'm blowing off all kinds of emotional debris and stuff. So there's multiple layers to it. To me, that's more fun. So everyone's definition of what fun is, is going to be different. When I'm making soap, that's fun. It's also difficult sometimes and sometimes there's frustrate frustrating points you know but that's part of it it's all it's it's part of the challenge and then you get the end of it and you look at your results you're like all right you know like i did that i i I went all the way through that process and i produced something of value for someone 
And it's very I think a lot of people's sacral chakra is caught up in like the hunger aspect in the way and then it's sort of driving them. And the the healthy sacral energy, which by the way is the center that governs your self-worth or value. Uh self-esteem, like confidence is more solar, but sacral is your self-worth. And the healthiest version of sacral energy is actually satisfaction feeling satisfied and what you just described like i had a moment in the gym today where uh i so i started a new like lifting program that is a lot more efficient and intelligent and actually it's a lot less amount of time working out than what i was doing before but there i also recently got a uh, george wiseman's aqua cure and i've been doing hydrogen and this new more intelligently designed workout plan (laughs) yeah there's mine right Yeah, thank you, George. <laughs> Hi, George. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been doing, you know, both of those things. And so at the at the gym this morning, when I finished my lifts and was reflecting on how like, wow, I had five to 10% increase in in gains just from Monday to today and today's Friday. Like, that's insane. <laughs> you know, this is a really good program and the hydrogen is definitely helping me recover faster and, and come back stronger. And so that sense of like, wow, I, I'm, I'm stronger. I was able to put more effort in. That was one of the most satisfying feelings I could ever imagine. Like I was, I was walking, doing my post lifting 10,000 steps. And I'm like, wow, this is ultimate satisfaction. I don't know if I could feel more satisfied than this. And that is really a fun place to be. So you know it's all i think switching that polarity from hunger to satisfaction in the sacral it, it requires that we get into our frustrations where we where we frustrated where are we guilty or ashamed and go through those challenges so that we can alleviate that type of energy but to just realize that every emotional energy has that polarity to it it could be frustration or it could be satisfaction it could be anger it could be assertiveness you know, it could be anxiety, it could be excitement, but it's the same feeling for all those binaries, right? So that that's part of how the language of our body uh, speaks to us and imparts its wisdom is that we re- can learn to realize that, oh my gosh, my interpretation of certain feelings is what is holding me back more than the feeling itself. It's interesting when we were talking about, you know, money or banking idea and the the idea of debt. And I think that that the always seeking joy or, or trying to pull on is this is the debt monster. It's like how because the way they built the system is all debt based, right? It's all in the zero. It's all in the red zone. And what we're wanting to do is get into the opposite, where we're in the plus zone, and so we don't get into debt at all. We have surplus, and that's that's the other energy of that satisfaction. I'm satisfied. Uh, we're, there is enough. There's not, it's not scarcity. It's abundance. And now we can, we can actually lend out these things and have the cycle come back in fulfillment rather than let's dig a big hole and take all the dirt away and hope that we can fill it back up one day again. So it's a very different model of, of uh, thinking for the self, but also on a larger scale when we're thinking about economics and how we're, how we approach money. And, and what that value is supposed to be. Um, it's this big sea change 
to where we need to get to, you know, going forward. And that, that feeling, that satisfaction feeling, that fulfillment, it comes from that work. Like you, you wouldn't have got that satisfaction or fulfillment if you didn't have blood, sweat and tears coming up, you know, that you put into the work to get to that level where you're, you feel that level of strength and you're, there's a, a true uh, pride in the light, right? There's negative pride, positive pride. I think there's negative and positive, all the emotions and one in the light, one in the shadow sort of thing. And we just, we feel and know that that work and effort that we've put in is the value. We've given it the value now. And now we're, we're, uh, we're jo- the joy is coming from the abundance of the value coming off. Brilliant. Another thing about the psyop of our current economy system and especially how it's portrayed in media is that wealthy people are the enemy. <laughs> They're the bad guys. It's bad to be successful. That is a huge mind fuck because uh, what I've also learned, and I've been talking to a, a friend of mine about this who's really working on restructuring his whole sacral geometry because of a lifetime of just giving everything away, giving it all away. And that worked in sort of a nomadic lifestyle for him until, you know, there's family now and I'm trying to build real foundations and support more than just myself and generate actual abundance. And so in my opinion, to generate actual, to generate actual abundance, you have to be willing to ask for, to err on the side of asking for more than you needed than less than you needed. And then you, you know, in integrity, you'll adjust that back to what it, ought to be if you ever notice that you're kind of asking for too much but that's literally what abundance means is that you have an overage a surplus and if you are a trustworthy being you're going to do something good at that surplus so it's not like you're committing a sin by asking for uh you know and that's self-worth you gotta you gotta be willing to take that step because giving it all away is you know that's then that's a step into the future of work credits <laughs> and that's your currency and it expires if you don't spend it. And you know, there's no real value being exchanged at all. But I wanted to ask you while I still have a, a little bit of time, you know, <laughs> let's talk about things that your, your yum natural store has going on. Like what's the best kept secret mm-hmm. in your product catalog? It, you know, what comes to mind? Cool, cool. I just, uh, before I go there, I just wanted to make a note that sin means uh, is a debt. Sin is a debt. So we are living in sin because we are living in debt. And that is a sin against God because God has provided everything we need. And yet here we are diminishing ourselves and diminishing it. And that is the sinful behavior. Now we must get out of the debt and into the surplus, which means that it comes back to the heart. Like you said, self-love, self-worth from in the light, meaning not in the shadow, right? Which would uh, translate into selfishness. Um, and that's the solution. That's where we have to head toward. And that's done in integrity, of course. And of, and of course, because it is, then the abundance will uh, take forward magnitudes of, of expansion. And uh, we will be able yeah, to... Yeah, it's not like you that. ask for more than you need and then hoard it. It's like... It has to flow through you if it's going to flow to you. I've heard someone say that and I was like, brilliant. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so as far as, <laughs> you know, there's products, everything's private now. You have to actually make an account to purchase anything at any of our websites because of the insanity out in the public forum and that we offer real medicine and most real medicine is illegal. 
And uh, so this is why we've done it in the private. So it's like a peer-to-peer agreement, a contract agreement. So the person pays a penny. We've agreed this. You're going to get this. You're going to give us this. And if you have a problem, you must come to us and we sort things out ourselves. I would say um, on DMSO.store. Oh, no, sorry. On uh, YumNaturals.store. I would say the green immediate is something that's not well known because it was uber private. It still is uber private. If you don't have the link, you can't search for it. So if people are interested, they'll have to ask us in the Telegram group. It's there. Um, Healthy Dose of Truth or my name, uh, Telegram group. Green immediate is a double extraction cannabis product. So it takes uh, a CBD heavy organic strain and we soak it in DMSO first, uh, like one section. Then we have another bunch of herb that we soak in grapeseed oil. So we extract, there's two different extractions of fresh cannabis, and then those are pooled together. So it's strained and then it's blended together. And I have people where they've had skin cancer, it's gone. They've had um, tumors, uh, breast tumors, you name it, clears up. Um, they've had pains that they maybe don't understand in their body. It clears the pain. Um, I had my father actually did something to his knee. I think he slightly dislocated his knee and he couldn't walk. He was like dragging his leg around. And I said, well, this is ridiculous. You know, he tried a bath. It didn't work. He tried some magnesium. It didn't really do much. I said, here, just slather this all over your knee and then go to bed and then we'll see in the morning what happens, whatever. Or I think he did... He took a bath. That's what he did. He took a warm bath. While he was still warm, he slathered it over his entire knee, front and back, and up the leg a little bit. Went to bed. And he then in the night wanted to adjust his body. So he swung his leg in a certain way, and it had an audible adjustment. And it freaked him out. Um, But it corrected. So his knee actually self-adjusted from using that product. So... The DMSO, using it as an herbal extraction, I've been playing around with a lot of that. It's fantastic. I just made a DMSO clove extract as per the recipe in my book. So I have a clove DMSO recipe in my book for dental pain and nerve pain and stuff. Like when you have abscesses or um, any type of gingivitis or anything going on in the mouth. And it's a, it's a highly concentrated extract of of clove and it's like almost black like it's just so rich looking um and it's it's 99.995 percent dmso but i've used it directly without any concern and people can dilute it if they are concerned um but that's uh really helpful for dental i mean i have um i do carry mms we call it solution a and solution b so that's in our um, private collection, and it's just there's so there's so many facelift in a jar is probably my our top seller I would say. Um, that's it. That's on DMSO dot store. That's just goes crazy because it's a blend of DMSO and oils that get rid of wrinkles and blemishes and stuff, right? So we we still want to look good through all of it, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. Uh, I, I lean heavily markets her sonic slider tuning fork as a cosmetic tool <laughs> when really it's so much more than just that. But, you know, that gets it into people's homes and then hopefully gets them using it. So I get it. 
Yeah, that's interesting about the uh, the knee. Was it the left one or the right one? I believe it was his right one. Okay. So in the biofield anatomy, that would pertain to feeling blocked by obstacles or challenges, like struggling to move forward in life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I think if like the messages from the body are really important um, to connect to, especially um, in the long term to see the trends on your body, but also your astrological sign can determine which uh, areas are weaker or stronger in your body too. Like for Aries, your head, everything above the neck, like we're, you know, throat up, but mainly your head itself is the key um, organ system. So that means like anything in the eyes, ears, like the whole, this area is like more of the sensitivity or where, where you want things like, Aries usually loves their head scratched and like head massages or stimulation of the head or these sorts of things, you know, like I think we all like it, but I mean, Aries tends to be like, whoa, it's very luxurious. Right. So there's, and Leo rules the heart and the circulation. Um, And so those tend to be areas that can become um, weakened because they are centrally used so much. Like it's such a, a central point of focus on your, on your world. And therefore, you can drain those areas more, which means it can be more of a weak spot. Um, so when you're aware I find of that, that, the ascendant is really what cause is really more noticeable than the sun for me. So like, uh, and I, I think even in like certain systems like Gene Keys or Human Design, it shakes out that way too. Yeah. But that I've found in a lot of systems, war, not maybe warnings, but indications that maybe I would struggle with constriction type stuff in the chest and that has been something that is like a, a, a gauge for me to pay attention to like am i open or am i constricted in this heart and lungs area and you know especially <laughs> with the libra moon sometimes the emotional balance is actually bypassing real sadness energy that needed to be expressed which is also held in the lungs yeah that medical astrology is so freaking interesting there's we're just so scratching cool. the surface of uh, knowing knowing ourselves fully, and it's exciting. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. And also, you have that, so you have that like those organs, and then you have like a homunculi <laughs> mini version also on you of all the organ systems. So your ears, the bottom of your feet, your face, those all are also mappings of your entire body, and so you can go direct to the organ, or you can go indirect to you know, a point that leads to the organ and also approach it that way, which I find really fascinating, especially That's when, you know, actually I how I like helped myself through stuff with constriction in the chest or heart fluttering and things of that nature relating to a Leo ascendant is that weighted tuning fork over here, the sonic slider, finding the reflexology point on the bottom of my foot that pertains to my lungs or my heart and putting the sound in from there. So effective. Like, the first time I did it, I still remember being blown away at all of a sudden, I felt like I could take about 25% more in breath, you know, like almost instantly as soon as the vibration was touching that, that node on the bottom of the feet. So people out there listening, get up, get, you know, put some sound on the soul. You know, I think they call that bottom of your foot, the soul for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Very, very powerful. Um just these knowing these points, knowing that the body's all interconnected, 
um, that they were basically a bunch of tubes and, and, and water and electricity. Um, and that's, and, and some stuff thrown in <laughs> to build some things. And here we are, right? And you can, you can access all of it. And, and there's so many self healing tools. It's, it's ridiculous. Like I'm doing a Substack article I've been working on for just as a primer for people who don't know how many different cancer, you know, cures there actually are. Uh, so I'm like just putting together like a summary list in case someone's interested in doing research further. Um, because there's just, we have so many options in this. When you, when you w- are awake and you understand, you know, and you're continuing your, in your understanding, the, the ways of the modern world are ridiculous. They're, they're, why would you ever, ever do chemo and radiation? Why? With all of these, so many options, you have a million choices. You know, that's, that's an exaggeration, but you have options on how you want to go about doing this. And you don't have to listen to the fear. You can actually understand that you're just needing a cleanse and a heavy cleanse and work on your, all that emotional debris that you never ever dealt with. It just sucked back and, and all the trauma you never completed. You just held it in your body. And that's where all your diseases start. You know, you're just holding and holding and holding and never releasing and never getting it moving and never getting to that flow state. How can you get to a flow state if you're congested, if you're, if you're constipated, not if the tubes are blocked <laughs> and then people wonder why they're sick and why the diseases and why the, the issues It's very simple. And there's simple solutions, beautiful, elegant solutions, not more poison and more suppression and more shove it down and don't look at it stuff. It's just that we can't do that anymore. We can't do it on the micro or the macrocosm anymore. It's over. Whatever that, that energy of that epoch was, that's gone. That's, you cannot suppress anymore. And I think it'll get to a point where you literally won't be able to. You, you, you can't anymore. You have to let it blow off. You have to. This is our reset. We're <laughs> resetting ourselves one by one by, you know, coming out of this illusion, all these lives and taking charge, taking self-responsibility and re-empowering ourselves to take those proper steps. And it's and even healing cancer, you can find those levels of joy and satisfaction because you're facing the challenges before you and you're going for it. And this is the journey you set up for yourself. So yeah, do it, right? And you can do it really in awesome ways and you can do it in inspiring ways. And then you can come to the end of that and you can come on a program and talk about how you healed yourself using, you know, Hoxie formula or SIAC or whatever method you wanted to, to Budwig wanted to use to heal your body, right? And, and that's empowering to others and onward and onward, this sort of thing. And that, this is just where we're at. And, and I hope people, I encourage people to be brave and to take those new challenges. And to turn off the television and stop consuming all this, all the lies. You can't, I don't see how people can can awake, be awake, and still really watch TV. Very like the real television itself. I don't. I don't know. That's, That's like great. what we were talking about. It's a big attention suck just to filter it out. Like. When I go visit my parents, I I take the TV remotes and hide them somewhere. So my dad can't turn it on because he was like, oh, I just 
I'll mute it. I just want the screen on or I'm like, come on, man, let's just hang out. I'll, I'll, I'll settle for music. But what you're describing, it is, I think the study of law, spiritual aspect of law is really informative to all these other realms of, of life as, as well, because like, I think maybe what makes it scary, the idea of health freedom is the same reason why people want to be governed is that your rights are actually everything that isn't wrong to do. <laughs> and unfortunately with the medical mafia, everything they're offering to you basically is the wrong thing. But there's only a handful of things. It's like at the grocery store, there's only four fruits, <laughs> but we're on a world with infinite variety of, of things to eat. So it's really crazy. But at the end of the day, it's exciting in my opinion that we have all, all of this freedom and so many rights that we cannot actually list them. Everything is right to do except for those few things that are wrong. So it doesn't have to be uh, scary. You can look at it more like an art project whenever it comes to taking your health into your own hands. The decision that you're going to do it is the bit that you are going to do it for yourself and not defer to authority is the biggest thing. I can't, I can't say how many times at this point, somebody who uh, I did tuning for told me that they started having the experience of, uh, shifting in the week up leading up to the tuning you know it's like before we even did the thing you know like the decision is huge but amanda if you've got closing thoughts or want to riff on that there's no rush but i know i want to respect your time so we can move our way towards wrapping up and giving your plugs but yeah for sure hit on the tail end of what i was just saying there if you had thoughts oh yeah i've experienced that phenomenon so many times because i was trained in many different hands-on healing modalities and energy work modalities because I wanted to understand this place. And I thought that I had like in my detective hat on, I thought if I studied all the different forms of Reiki, if I studied all the different forms of energy healing methods, I would figure something valuable out. And I did. And I, I stopped when I, I, um, probably had collected <laughs> diplomas in five or six different modalities and I felt satisfied. And anytime I would, so that I began to teach and anytime I would begin to set in motion the group and that was then uh, situated, I told, I didn't even have to tell them, but eventually I started to tell them that they would experience changes before once everyone had paid and everyone decided they were coming. That was the moment that it all started to happen before we even met and before we even did the work. And that I asked them to start writing down things they're noticing already once I figured out this pattern, like changes that they were seeing so that we could, our first day, we would talk about it. So what was different, you know, about the last few days since we made, or since the agreement had been made that we're all going to come together as a group. And always the group had a contract with each other. They always helped each other in some way, or there was something profound, or we focused on one person's problems together as a group and, and solve them, you know, with that person. Or if you have like um, a distance healing, I would do distance healing all the time because there's no time and space. Like even with my Care wand, which by the way is like unbelievable, that terahertz frequencies are so healing it's i'm mind boggled like and i know a lot of remedies but this remedy is i've not had anything that powerful before about any of the gadgets and geeky things that i've bought my whole life and it was like the the distance healing can be happening with any frequency so i would do with right machine i have a right machine could do it with the tesla coil could do it with this this uh titeric wand 
and even intention. And so I would do all these Reiki sessions, you know, at a distance and, and then people feel things. And it's not just it's, it's suggestive because I'm not telling them what I'm doing. I'm not telling them what I'm looking at. I'm not saying anything. I just say, go lay down, relax, put a candle on, some light music, try not to fall asleep, right? Be in reception mode. That's all I say to them. And then if they really want me to focus on area, just tell me what it is and I'll do it, right? But then I get the insights and then I come to them. And then I ask them first to tell me what they experienced. And they would, it would always correlate. Oh, I felt heat here. I felt this color here. I I had this memory there, um, et cetera, et cetera. And it would always correspond with where, what uh, chakra center I was working on or what, you know, impressions I was getting when I was working on that particular center. And it was always very profound. Um, and, and, you know, I miss doing it. I, I just, I couldn't, can't, can't do it all. And I know that every life has its phases. And so that was a huge part of my learning um, about this place is through this type of healing modality. So it's, it's, we're going to explore that even more where we're headed. This is where we're headed is this type of stuff where we're not even going to, all the supplement industry will probably not even be needed. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that we had to pull together to just get by in this debt lifestyle is all just trying to plug holes and we haven't even touched real health yet. Like we haven't really touched true vitality yet. We haven't even trust, touched true memory and, and love and all the things that we're, we're still, even those of us awake are still like, we have to function here. So we can't go all the way. It's like we have to still stay here and, and figure things out or help or be, you know, yeah, I've had to come back down. It's just to interact before. <laughs> Yeah, or else it just is no. It's yeah. There's no substance there. <laughs> but yeah, so it's really cool. I think I'm excited too. I'm excited for what we're going to accomplish, and um, I'm focusing more and more on that than whatever's going on. I'm not even that interested in social media anymore. The same way I'm, I don't care. I used to be like, oh, I gotta know what's happening, you know, everywhere. Now I don't. I'm like, yeah, it's all the same bullshit. Anyway, I just let you know funny what? comedians tell me what's going on. <laughs> that way, when other people talk about the bullshit, I at least have some jokes. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm like, okay, let me look at the news today and then I'll figure out what's going on in the world, you know? And, and there we are. So, and, but really, we know we, we don't need to know. Because we're not down in the muck. We've risen, we've come out of the, where the lotus that comes through the muck, right? And now we're out of the muck. We can see the muck. We know the muck is there. We don't have to play in the muck. We don't have to get dirty in the muck. We don't want to, you know? And we're, we're looking at our reality from that new perspective. So yeah, very exciting. Um, I have, a, I have membership coming up at, uh, soon at yummy.doctor. So people can register there and then. When the courses and the and the social media stuff and everything is released, then they'll get a notification. Um, uh, healingwithdmso.com. That is just for my book. That that website. People are just wanting to buy my book, um, but it's also on my other two uh, sites: uh, yumnaturals.store and dmso.store. And a Telegram group as well, which we will privatize probably at some point and just to remove our services over to yum, yummy.doctor and you don't have to put anything else doctors the domain so d-o-c-t-r that's it that's you know, no more dots just 
yummy doc, doctor. That's it. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the future pans out. Mm, awesome. Been a real pleasure hanging out with you, Amanda. Good to get to know you a little and have this fun freewheeling conversation. Very interesting subjects came up that also linked together in surprising ways. So I feel grateful for the insights this convo generated. Shout out to Fabian for helping us schedule. It's nice. Uh, your assistant does a great job. And yeah, we'll maybe do it again down the line. Take care out there and much love. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Chance.